Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Hey, Sue. Good to be with you today. Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here. I'm so glad that you're here today. This has been quite a week. Mm-hmm. And for our listening audience, this is actually the week or week and a half since the protests broke out all around the country and actually all around the world. And interestingly enough, we're going to be talking about forgiveness today. And not necessarily specific to the protest, but we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Does that sound like a good idea, Sue? Yeah, it's 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 always important to talk about forgiveness, but I think even more so now. It's very timely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So the reason we're talking about this is that my, the last chapter of the book, of my book, is called It's Not the Mistakes That Count. And I came up with this title, It's Not the Mistakes That Count, because I used to have a therapist who told me it's not the mistakes that count, it's how you deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, for some reason, I, I've always remembered that. It was so simple, but it was so permission-giving to to look at our mistakes, to to take accountability or responsibility for our mistakes. But then it, then what do we do about that? How do we work with that internally? How do we work with that with others, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be our direction today. How does that sound? That sounds great. That sounds fabulous. Cool. So this is, of course, a universal theme. It's not just about sex addiction, but I want to read the quote that I came up with at the beginning of this chapter because I thought it was so simple and important. It goes like this. Experience is simply the name we give our mistakes. And that was a quote that comes from Oscar Wilde. What what do you think about that, Sue? Experience is simply the name we give our mistakes. Well, there's a lot to it. Um, You know, on the first read through, um, I always always credit experience with a a tool, something you learn from, hopefully. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if, if our mistakes are you know, part of our experience, then hopefully it's something that you're learning something from. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you look at the sentence again, (laughs) because you can look at it so many different ways. And Mm -hmm. I love Oscar Wilde, by the way. I was, Mm -hmm. I went to his grave when I was in France um, a few years ago and people, really, people were kissing it. There was lipstick all over it. It was interesting. So he's well loved. Even, even in his grave, he's well loved. Very well loved. Um, Beautiful. But experience is simply the name. And so when you when you prescribe like syntax to it and put like he's saying the name of experience is what we're attaching to our mistakes, you know, on a surface level, 
it's just you instead of saying mistakes we're saying experience so if you were to mm -hmm. say experience mm -hmm. is simply the name of our experience mm -hmm. um that i think we can i think is easier to understand what he's talking about right if mm -hmm. if you take mistakes out of it and, and call it what he says to call it yeah yeah and absolutely I, I i agree with you and and of course we're not trying to get into any kind of dogma today or any kind of right or wrong um what we're really saying is when we feel that we've had a misstep of some kind how do we learn from that what what is how does that create texture for who we are and for how we choose to be in the world from this point forward yeah so Andrew, what, yeah. what prompted you to write this chapter? Well, several things, actually. Um, it's kind of an autobiographical chapter um, in the sense that, like I said, it was something that was said to me many years ago by a, a really important therapist of mine. And it was a moment in time where I used to be super, super um punitive on myself like i was really tough on myself my inner critic was gigantic mm -hmm. the way i treated myself was really quite brutal in a lot of ways and and certainly in my perfectionism and trying to do everything right whatever the whatever that might mean mm -hmm. and and so this idea of it's not the mistakes that count really is something that means a lot to me because through the years I've actually become much more curious about my mistakes. Instead of getting down on myself, instead of beating myself up, I, I tend to be more interested in learning from them and observing them with, with some self-compassion actually as much as I possibly can. And so that was my own story around this. And then both in the 12-step rooms and in my office, my clients and, and folks in recovery, could we could probably say that they all had different variations on what I just described. Mm -hmm. You know, people who were uh, shaming themselves and were really feeling deep shame around who they were and past transgressions of whatever kind they might be. And the kind of self-attack that, that I would experience with clients in my office and in, and folks in the 12-step rooms was so either brutal or sometimes kind of subtle, but really incessant. It was the kind of thing that just, just seemed to be habitual. And it's one thing if we have self-deprecating humor, you know, I think you know mm -hmm. something about that, Sue, yeah. being the comic that, that you are. Um literally but um but i think what we're we're talking about is how do we move from that self-attack place to a more self-compassionate place and i thought that it was important to put this chapter at the end i actually wasn't going to include this chapter in the book yeah. but i felt like you know people really get down on themselves when they slip and program or have a relapse in program and and that's such and uh, the opposite of what is healing. Mm -hmm. I mean, healing is really looking at what happened, having people around you who can really create some perspective with you on it, and then how do you want to move forward differently, right? Right. So that's really where the chapter came from. Oh, well, that makes sense. And I, I feel that, you know, repetitive patterns um, 
there's a lot to that. I mean, that's another whole conversation to have. Mm. But um, and living with regret, also, you know, it's it's it takes a lot to get to that forgiveness. I think, but um, yeah, and there's a lot of layers there, especially going through um, recovery. So, right. What do you think forgiveness really means? Well, that's that's the big question because mm-hmm. if you line up a dozen people, you'll get a dozen different ideas about what forgiveness really is. Right. And um, you know, I believe that we're not talking about something religious. I think sometimes people conflate the idea of forgiveness with something religious like um going to confession for example it's not so much about that it's more about how do you work with whatever that is inside of you in such a way that you can find a healing path from something that either you did that that didn't feel like it was in alignment with who you want to be or something that somebody else did that that felt hurtful or, or, or felt like something that was just so far outside of the box that that you wanted how you wanted to be treated. Right. So so I think there there's absolutely no single meaning, but there is a you know there's a great book out. I want to mention this called Forgive for Good. And Forgive for Good was written by a professor up at Stanford named Frederick Luskin, L-U-S-K-I-N, Fred Luskin. And Dr. Luskin, basically, he has many, many uh, ideas behind forgiveness. So if you really want to dig into forgiveness from a practical um, and very user-friendly approach, I, I highly recommend Forgive for Good. But one of the things he said was so important, he said that Forgiveness really isn't about the other person per se. Um, forgiveness is about what you carry inside of you and, and, and working on the healing around what, whatever that is that, that feels stuck or feels toxic. And I thought that was a really important distinction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What does forgiveness mean to you? What, what, what comes to mind for you, Sue? It's funny that you mentioned the religion thing because that hadn't crossed my mind. Maybe I've just been so far mm. out of religion for a long time. <laughs> but I think forgiveness, yeah. it is two ways. I mean, you can forgive yourself and forgive others. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever put any time or thought on waiting for someone to forgive me because um, mm-hmm. I think it's all in ourselves. And I think the first step, is giving yourself permission to move on and mm-hmm. and allowing to make that change. I think a lot of times we get caught in putting our inner critic is like I say things to myself I wouldn't say out loud to anybody, you know? And mm-hmm. and then when I catch myself now I just catch myself and I just say stop. And yeah, then yeah. and then I kind of analyze it a little bit cuz I'm a little analytical like that and and mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. where that's coming from and a lot of it does come back to something that happened earlier in my life and and but taking that first step to make a change is always very difficult and i think mm-hmm. the first step in forgiving yourself for whatever it is it's like you said it's different to every single person mm-hmm. um but to make a change is scary for a lot of reasons and we we yeah. do things over and over and over because they feel comfortable to us even though it That's might right. be the most horrible thing in the world to do but 
Um, you have to just be open and aware. And a lot of it comes mm-hmm. back down to self-love and self-awareness. So forgiveness For sure. to me is, is really important. And I forgive mm-hmm. people all the time, even though they might not even know they did anything wrong or wronged me or whatever, but it's all what I'm holding mm-hmm. inside of me. And it's a right. powerful, powerful feeling to just release that burden. Yeah, no, that that's right on. And I, I was thinking as you were saying that that when we forgive others, it's not always a direct uh, contact with them. It's it, it and it's not always about proximity. It it's not necessarily something that has to be um, said out loud to that person right. because yep. the forgiveness can be an internal process and one of really wishing them well. Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe even having gratitude for them being a teacher in some way or another. That um, because this experience happened, I learned about myself somehow. Right. So so there's so many different ways. I, I couldn't agree more. That that's great. Yeah. So um, what does it mean to forgive others? Yeah. Well, I think I think though what I want to say about that is okay. is. It's really a matter of picking and choosing. Right. Um, it's not like you have to, you know, forgive every single person that you, you've known since you were born. Um, it's more a matter of what hasn't been processed, what still mm. feels like a burden, what might feel like traumatic in some way or, or another. So, so again, sometimes it's about a direct forgiveness and sometimes it's not I always recommend that people process this in therapy first process it with a sponsor first process it with a pastor first whatever helps them really sort out their part in it and their feelings oftentimes hurt and anger and sadness that that goes unprocessed so anything that that really is sticky and seems to burden someone doesn't belong right Exactly. So hold on. Is forgiveness one of the steps on recovery? Sort of. I'm glad you mentioned that, Sue. Um, it, it, the word forgiveness is not in the eighth and ninth step, but the eighth and ninth step are about making amends. And, and so not everybody follows the 12 steps. So I'm not really saying that that's the only path to, um, Mm-hmm. To be, this is more to be forgiven. I think the eighth and ninth step really are more about um, coming forth with one's transgressions and being honest with people, if if it doesn't harm someone else. The idea is that if you make an amends to someone, that's the, the lingo. Um, you determine whether it brings harm to themselves or others. And if if it doesn't, then you can decide, oh, would it be helpful and productive to talk with this person? And then usually you go through that list of amends with your sponsor to determine, do I make a direct amends? Do I write a letter? Do I make a telephone call? How do I do this in a way that's really going to be really uh, true to the relationship because we don't want to just haphazardly do amends to every single person um, that we feel we've we've harmed. But yes, the, the eighth and ninth step have to do with being forgiven by others, but at the same time, letting go of any expectations 
that you'll be forgiven, just to really clean your side of the street and to offer oneself to say, from this point forward, I would like to act differently and, and I would like to, um, sometimes they call it making a living amends. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of that before, Sue? No, a I living haven't. Amends? No. Okay. It, it's really quite simple. It, it really means how can I show up differently in my life and how can I show up differently in this relationship from this point forward? Mm-hmm. So the living amends is, is one day at a time saying to myself, okay, so I have this challenging relationship with my brother. How do I choose to be in this relationship in a way that that's loving and honest and, and direct and, um, and compassionate. And, you know, there's more, more words that we could throw in there, but ultimately it's about showing up in a way that works uh, best and, and, and in in the most healing fashion. So it seems like, um, all of this tied together with being forgiven by others and forgiven yourself is really a step in a positive direction and making a better life for yourself. For sure. For sure. I mean, like I said, we're talking about like a, an inventory of memories. Um, mm-hmm. We could call it a Rolodex of memories of, of things that we've done or said that just don't fit how we want to be in the world today. So once we take that inventory, then we can determine, okay, how can I show up differently? And what, what would that look like? And, and what, what am I willing to do differently? That's great. So what exactly do you think it means to forgive yourself and how do you do that? Mm, that's probably the biggest question of all. Well, again, to go back to what I was saying about why I wrote this chapter, a lot of folks, including myself, lived in lots and lots of shame and lots and lots of hurt and um just feeling like uh, I, I was wasn't a good person. So for me, it showed up in perfectionism. For me, it showed up in self-attack. And what we're talking about is how, and I think you kind of said this before, you said the permission to move on, mm-hmm. right? It's like giving oneself the permission to move on, to say, okay, I, I know that I've had these issues in the past. I know that I, I don't feel good about all this stuff. It may never go away entirely, but how can I unburden myself so that I don't have to carry it so heavily? And uh, Brene Brown, one of my favorites, as yeah. you know, talks a lot in her books about shame resiliency. And I love that term, shame resiliency, because it's not that the shame disappears. It just doesn't vanish, but we feel more resilient. We feel more resourceful. We might even feel more buoyant around the shame so that it doesn't have the weight and it doesn't feel so sticky. I call it when it sticks to the ribs. Mm -hmm. So shame resiliency is is major. And I I think Brene Brown's uh, books and her podcasts are are brilliant uh, for anybody who would like to understand more about shame resiliency. I also think that self-compassion and self-acceptance and self-understanding are, are all part of the mix. And I'm just going to talk for a moment about self-compassion. 
the the mindful self-compassion literature and research and practice has really expanded these past few decades in beautiful ways. And the idea is that, and you know this, Sue, that self-compassion isn't something that just happens. We don't just learn it cognitively and um, and it's a finite thing. Like right. we just, it, it doesn't work that way. It, it truly is a practice. And it, and you know, some of the great meditation teachers out there like Tara Brock, like Chris Germer, like uh, Kristin Neff, they really um, bring forth this idea of how do we, on a daily basis, pay attention to what it means to do some self-compassion work. And it can be as simple as listening to a 10-minute guided meditation by one of these teachers. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend that as a, a, a way to loosen the self-attack and to grow the self-compassion because ultimately we're talking about establishing new neural pathways and if like you said before if we're familiar if we're kind of comfortable in a way with self-attack um that's difficult to get out of but if we say to ourselves huh i'm, I'm willing to try something different i'm i'm willing to be kinder to myself and can I listen to a meditation teacher 10 minutes a day for the next 30 days and see what happens? So it's that kind of thing that really loosens the, the, that, the clutches of, of um, self-attack and, and those kinds of um, heavy-duty issues. But then forgiveness is, is more about, okay, how do I accept myself for exactly who I am? at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I practice on a daily basis. And, and I'm wondering, Sue, if you have any thoughts or, or ideas about, about forgiving yourself and how you do this. Well, just really recently, I've asked, like, what is self-compassion? And I talked to my therapist about this at great length because mm -hmm. you hear, like, all the time, you know, well, there's whole library sections on self-help books, but... What does it truly mean to practice self-compassion? And I struggled with that. And then I realized I did decide that every day I was going to take a 10-minute break. And, and I created playlists for myself. And mm. music, I just really feel like music, well, I know music's important to you as well, but it just mm -hmm. changes. It's mm -hmm. a mood changer for me. And, yeah. and I created five different playlists with different types of music. And they just have lifted my spirit. And I look forward to these little blocks of time that I've set aside for myself. Mm -hmm. And I come away from it just feeling so much better and feeling able to, it's like a motivating time in my day that just allows me to get things done that I was putting aside and just kind of feeling, you know, yucky about doing. And so now that I'm doing that, I'm, it's kind of carrying through the self-talk and the self-critic and I just noticed it's becoming a lot easier and better and um, I'm enjoying myself more so <laughs> um, so that's just really new to me and you know doing these small little things during the day for yourself that I yeah. would do to uh, for other people like getting someone a nice tea I'm like why can't I do that for myself you know like, <laughs> it's just simple right. little things I don't like not that I don't feel like I deserve or that I'm worthy of it and um it's just like I just wouldn't do it because I, I do. Yeah. So I'm treating myself almost like a guest and just showing myself 
love that I would share with somebody and just turning it back on myself. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I love the part about the music. I mean, you and I mm -hmm. know back in the 80s uh, what we used to listen to, <laughs> everything from Dire Straits to Earth, Wind & Fire to Sting. And I mean, it just kind of puts a smile on my face when I think about it. I don't know who's on your playlist nowadays, All but I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of stuck in the '80s myself. Yeah. And um, and and I think what we're talking about, and this is so great, is that there's so many avenues to self-compassion. There's no. It's not just about the eighth and ninth step. It's not just about self-compassion teachers, but but what really helps your heart heal what helps your heart feel more buoyant and as you're talking i'm just smiling about some of those days yes yeah for anybody yes, who remembers yes, yes right <laughs> um but you you have to date yourself when you start talking about yes i think but for I a while it. anytime either of us heard a yes song we would text each other like hey mm -hmm. yeah i'm thinking of you so it does bring back great memories and yeah absolutely a lot of good yeah triggers. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so I, I really want to remind everybody who's listening that it's a creative process. You know, you can read a book by Fred Luskin or you can read a book by Brene Brown or you can read my book or or listen to this podcast. But there's so many different ways of, of healing um, when it comes to self-forgiveness, forgiveness of others. Um, being forgiven uh, it's 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 so multifaceted and nobody has the formula so um, keep in mind that, that you get to listen to your heart and decide what works best for you that's great yeah so I, I wanted to kind of uh, move towards the end of my chapter for a moment is that okay Sue oh yeah no that's great <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you thank you um, because I, I share a metaphor that was shared with me I don't know how many years ago this was shared with me, but I put it at the end of this chapter because it's also the end of this book. And, and so I'm going to read this, this passage out loud. If you're driving from New York to Los Angeles and you get a flat tire in Des Moines, does this mean you have to go back to New York? Of course not. You get the tire fixed and keep driving. It's the same way with sexual compulsivity. If you have a slip or a full-blown relapse, you have choices. Do you punish yourself, keep it a secret, and go into shame over it? Or do you learn from it and move forward? Mm. What do you think, Sue? Yeah, I mean, I love that metaphor. And mm. of course you wouldn't go back. And I think a lot of people don't realize in recovery that relapse is a part of the growth. And yeah they do happen i mean they don't have to but when they do they they're they're part of the process and it's right. important for people to figure out why it happened and how to move forward from it so i love that metaphor yeah i i i wish i remember who first shared it with me because it was so meaningful and for me as a recovering perfectionist it was even more meaningful mm -hmm. because i always thought that if i had the flat tire i had to go back to the beginning Right. You know, that was like where my, my mind took me, that, that if I messed up, that I had to start all over again. And honestly, Sue, and this is 
this is sad in, in some ways, but I don't want to say this anyway. There are folks in the 12-step rooms who can be punitive like that. Mm -hmm. And when somebody has a relapse or a slip, <clears throat> excuse me, um, sometimes they're told, well, you have to go back to step one. Or wow. um, you've, you've got to call me every day and um, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And some of that might be well-meaning, but but oftentimes it has a flavor of somehow being scolded. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing wrong with digging back in once you've had a, a problem, but as long as it's not coming from a place of, of really uh, re-traumatizing or, or perpetuating the shame. Yeah. No, that's important. And I was surprised, like, I didn't know, you know, before I was involved in, in this recovery world, that you weren't supposed to start back at one. Like, I didn't, I just assumed, yeah. because in everything else we kind of do, we like, you fall off the ladder, you're going to go back to the bottom, you know? Um, yeah. But there's a safety net. And I think that you put a lot of work into getting to where you are, um, that that's not lost. And that's important to remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the mistakes that count. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually the final chapter of my book. And the last paragraph of the last chapter seems to summarize, summarize really everything we're talking about. And I thought it would be a helpful way to end our podcast today. So I'm going to read the last paragraph to you. And this is the last paragraph of the chapter which is the last paragraph of my book. It's not about the sex. After a relapse, you can fall into shame and judgment or you can learn from your error and move on. Don't be a victim. Hold yourself accountable to learn the lessons the mistake provides and practice self-compassion. Recovery is not a linear progression. It's imperfect and unpredictable. You may stumble and fumble and go off course at times, but most of all, stay connected, lean into the love, and know that if you hang in there, it will get better. Wow. So many people can relate to that. And especially today, I mean, you can change a few words and that can be so powerful for so many other people going through so many different things in their lives. So it's nicely written. Thank you, Sue. It's it's so interesting when I go back and look at little portions of the book because it was it was a process that took several years, as you know. And it really was such a heart space kind of project, right? It 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 was something that that was definitely a passion project and definitely something that I felt was so much a part of me that I, I, I just wanted to share it. And I, I do hope and continue to hope that, you know, people will gain some self-compassion, people will gain some ideas around forgiveness, and that people will really find a way to, to heal themselves a little easier and in a less kind of bumpy way as uh, sometimes happens. So thank you for saying that. And, and as always, thank you so much for being a part of today's podcast. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, me too. I'm glad to be able to share this with you. Thanks for listening today. It, it's always fun to share this time with my old friend and colleague, Sue Merlino. And today we discussed the final chapter of my book, It's Not the Mistakes That Count. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, or please share our podcast on Spotify. And I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts. And once again, thanks again for being with us today.